Lock us in. Load us in. Pop in that A-track. Spin the tape. Here we go. Hey now, everyone. Welcome back to a fresh episode of Star Wars Time Show. Not the proper one, but our Resistance Recap spinoff series. That's right. We're so big now, we have spinoff series. Just let that sink in. Anyways, Nick and I are here. Yes, Nick. Still sick, but he's back, so we like that. He's here this week to break down the latest episode of Star Wars Resistance, which was titled... The New Trooper, S1E16, I believe, at least according to Nick and I's counting system. All right, Nick, so pretty good episode, but before we get into our usual recap and review dialogue, let's let's go ahead and kind of analyze the Easter eggs that I picked out or references. I mean, a lot, a lot of these that I've been finding lately, I would consider more references, right? Because Easter eggs to me are like, oh, there's an X-Wing helmet sitting there. Uh, not so much when they reference something from the past. So, really, the five I dug up from this episode, more reference e, uh, but some some good ones, some good throwbacks to the original trilogy, a nod to the new trilogy. Again, mostly leaving out the prequel trilogy, which was a okay with me. Although Nick, for the first time ever, got one over on me, and he found an egg, a reference, more likely that I missed. So we'll go ahead and. Talk about that so he can gloat, rub it in my face, and tell me how stupid I am once we get to that part. So, Nick, let's, let's go ahead and kick off the Easter egg breakdown, my friend. We had five in total. Uh, the first one, kind of, again, I had to stretch a bit. Uh, hopefully you, you appreciate that, even though you've already told me I'm stupid because <laughs> I missed one. But the first one, right, they're, they're sitting around talking about... The First Order occupation, and Yeager being from the Rebellion era, the rise of the Empire, uh, he chimed in with his two cents, essentially relating to Tam, who Tam is kind of pro-First Order. She's like a MAGA person at this point, where you're like, why do you like that? Do you really know what's going on? Just kidding, MAGA fans, we love you too, a little bit. Uh, anyway, so Yeager's talking about how the Empire was very similar to what the First Order's doing on the Colossus where at first they promised security, and that's why they need to land all these troops and war machines on your planet. And then before you know it, that security essentially means, oh, yeah, you lost all your freedom, too. Yeah, it turns— And that was the point Jaeger was, make, or Jaeger was making the tank. Tur- yeah, it turns into a full-scale occupation. And, you know, you can kind of talk about this a little bit as a prequel reference and a original trilogy reference, because if you think about, you know, the moments where— the Republic becomes the Empire. Palpatine's sitting there in the Senate and he promises a more safe and secure society. So, you know, yeah. like Yeager says, they they promise you this security, safety, like you said, but then you end up getting what the Empire became. A completely, you know, maniacal, a, a tyrannical force in the galaxy. And that's what is kind of happening here on Colossus Station is that, you know, they they came in two episodes ago under the guise of the saviors. You know, they save Tora from these pirates and they come back and they promise to to keep the Colossus Station safe from any more attacks like this and to ensure the safety of its people. And very quickly now we're already seeing them, you know, acting as a an occupying force 
and enforcing these uh, curfews and everything like that, arresting people and silencing people. So, yeah, I mean, there's some definite hardcore references and, and you know, mirroring of the Imperial ways here with the uh, First War occupation of the Colossus Station. So that's a good call out. And um, I think it was a pretty strong beginning to the episode, too, just to kind of get everybody's headspace around the First Order occupation. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, most people on board are, are starting to figure it out outside of Tam. Who, When we get to the recap, we'll, we'll kind of talk about her and her love for the FO. And then it might be waning a bit based on some uh, interactions she has with Cal and Isla. But on to Easter egg slash, well, this would be a reference. Number two, and this was a, a fairly obvious one, uh, Kaz sees a, an opportunity when a First Order trooper gets knocked out. Uh, he's going to kill a bird or take out a, whatever that saying is. I'm stupid. Kill two birds with one stone. There you go. That's why we keep Nick around. He, he kind of balances out my stupidity. And he decides, you know what? I have to see if these kids have been reported by this trooper. But I'm also going to go ahead and use this as an opportunity to do some of my resistance spying. So he Kaz throws on First Order Trooper armor, just like Luke and Han did in A New Hope when they needed it to break the princess out of the prison sector. It was a perfect, it was a perfect opportunity for him to, yeah, like you said, kill two birds with one stone. Also, we get to see like weird, awkward, bumbly Kaz walking around in a First Order Trooper outfit and interacting with the other troopers, even with commander pyre you know they he's in the trooper armor so obviously he's gonna run into other troopers that are on colossus station he walks his way into what is a, essentially a security debrief with pyre and then all of a sudden has to give an update on you know how things are going and he's like oh we stopped the fruit rebellion and we uh yeah like he's <laughs> like we we bought roughed up some rebel rousers. Yeah. It's just and then no i do kaz is and we can talk more on this in the recap review i I'm really starting to appreciate this lead character. Yeah, he's completely uh, He different. is not your traditional Star Wars hero. He's definitely become a Star Wars hero. But he's like a um, Jar Jar Binks slash Poe Dameron slash Luke Skywalker Sands the Force type of uh, combination at this point. He's got a lot of different personalities in them. And they all work really well because they all come out at different times. You know, you get the heroic Luke Skywalker Poe type of Kaz when he goes out to try to save Tora from the pirates. And then you get the Jar Jar Binks type Kaz when he's in these situations where he's like unsure of himself. He's, he's in a, like a, where he should be stealthy and he's like, Oh no, you know, he doesn't know what to do. So he's just kind of like, well, just even when he put the armor for the first time, just him walking in, he looked like a ding dong. And then when he met up with the, the Lieutenant and the other guy, He's watching what they're doing. They're like kicking crates, and then he starts doing it all awkwardly. Yeah. I just, I love how they animate him. I love how he's he's scripted, and then obviously the guy that delivers his voice. He's just, he's a fun, non-traditional lead Star Wars hero. I just, I don't know how he he's kind of in a, a category of his own. I mean, he's not your traditional. He there's Ray, there's Finn, there's Poe, there's Luke, there's Han, there's Leia. It's Kaz. Yeah, it's he's really just. Kaz. he's his own he's his own hero which is really something that makes this show stand out so i i really do appreciate Yeah, without that. a doubt i mean if you're not watching this show at this point 
shame on you. Yep. Give it a chance. Get over your anti-Disney bullshit or whatever the hell that is. Or you don't like animation because it's not something you want it to be. Appreciate these new stories. I love the old stuff too. But I actually, I, I really appreciate the new stuff. And, and the new stuff that is new, new. While also, again, I've always been one, hey, if you're going to go start something brand new, you got to just every once in a while throw in some named characters. And that's really what this show's doing. I mean, th- this show, I think, has has worked because it started with, all right, you know Poe, you know Leia, you know the Resistance. You don't know any of these people. We're going to use them to introduce them to you and occasionally bring them back in to remind you that they're all a part of this world. Yep. So love the show. Check it out. Easter egg number three, this I am calling an egg, and I'm, I'm kind of taking some assumptions here. But when Kaz is in his armor, he gets onto one of the First Order shuttles, you know, the, the Kylo Ren ship, and he checks the data, all that fun stuff. As he's leaving, though, he runs into a ball droid, and the ball droid, to me, looked very much like BB-9E. Maybe it's his first incarnation before he gets his shiny black paint, But just like BB-9E, this little ball droid was not letting someone who looked shady go without a little bit of a fight. Yeah. Um, So, again, I mean, do you you think it was 9E or did I just completely stretch that truth a bit because it looked very similar? I was was under the assumption that it was BB-9E, which was really cool. So because I I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's the TLJ. Let's just run with it then. That's BB-9E and it's just the animation. You can't really see gloss. Yeah, exactly. It's a shiny show. Everything's a little glossy. But here is the one where I can say that I. Oh, yeah. Here here comes that I found an Easter egg that Matt may have missed. So (laughs) in this in this little scene, you know, with the interaction between Kaz and this in the First Order Trooper outfit and BB-9E, BB's doing some some calculations on the computer and then he pulls out this little stick. It almost looks like a flash drive and it's the exact same type of data, uh, you know, data stick that Poe drops into BB-8 at the beginning of the force awakens when they're still, you know, in the, in the village that gets destroyed by Kylo or Santeca's village. And Kaz notices it. And he's like, Oh, a data rod. This is a data rod. So I was like, Oh man, now we know what that thing's called. It's called a data rod. So that is the the little Easter egg reference thing yep. that I found. You got me. I've lost my title as champion egg finder. I mean, I got one out of the whole show. You got five. So I still, I still say that you're, you're the king here, but I do have the ability to catch little things like that. Right. No, you're right. And, and really what, what makes it even worse that I missed it. In the end, we find out this data rod has a freaking star map on it, just like BB-8's data rod. So it's like a straight up easter yeah egg. exactly so and i i was too like uh goo goo gaga over seeing bb9e or bb9e not um that i you know i just overlooked it but nick's right there was a data rod in there too so technically we should have had six but we only had five so moving on to four uh pyre again this is the gold trooper I mean, he is just an expert at being a dickhead. Yeah. Right. So he's in Doza's office. You can tell just making Doza feel uncomfortable. And out of the blue, he questions him about Doza's imperial past, to which Doza quickly shoots it down. Uh, I still wanted to put it in there because we haven't heard anything further on Doza's imperial past since we saw that he was an imperial officer. Um, I think even before the midseason break. Uh, so it, it was still a good reference, and, and Doza just quickly shot it down like, hey, 
left for personal reasons, ones you probably wouldn't understand. So he probably left because we know deep down Doza is a good guy, right? I mean, he's he's not an asshole. He plays one because that's how most captains have to be when you're running a station the size of the Colossus. Uh, but it was just kind of touching back on this little plot thread that hasn't been fully paid off on yet. At this point, too, I think it's safe to say that Doza is not the First Order spy that is on this. Sh- Dude, I'm I'm sticking with Yeager yeah. until I die. Yeah, because it's just they're they're making it even more tempting to go with Yeager. The way him and Kaz now have their little powwows. Yeah, it's just I I feel like it would be masterful if they reveal at the end like ha ha ha. If, even if it's just a like an unwilling spy type of thing, I think it may be a situation like that. But if it is that he's just straight up a, a first order spy, that would also be great. But yeah, seeing these types of interactions between Pyre and um, Doza, and then also, I mean, even in previous episodes between Doza and the other first order troopers, like when Von Reg brings Tora back, and you know that interaction between uh, Von Reg and Doza. You can tell that this man has no love for the First Order. Like, you know, he may be, you know, allowing this occupation to happen, albeit, you know, very, very unwillingly. Uh, but he is definitely not a First Order spy. Like, we were, you know, kind of being nah, left. There's no way. I mean, early on, we brought it up because, you know, they're trying to make it that way just because it's easy. Uh, but early on, I mean, it could be within our fir- one of our first resistance recaps. I went on record saying, my money's on Yeager. I could be 100% wrong. This is a cartoon. I'm sure they're not going for like big time shocks and twists. Uh, but I don't know. It just it would shape up to be such a smack in the face. Yeah. To Kaz and, and Tam and Niku. And Poe. I mean, Poe put oh, yeah. Kaz there under, you know, Yeager's right. watch and then come to find so, out that he's really this fine. I don't know. Like I said, I think that's a little too advanced type of narrative for a cartoon but it, i think it would work and it'd be pretty uh spectacular yeah it would give something to us older fans as well like some really deep go. thing there you go so it, it, yeah i mean i'm i'm going on 39 this year and i love this cartoon so I, I don't think cartoons yes we associate them with kids but especially these days man i mean there's some pretty heavy cartoons out there hell just wait until you have your own kid i, I watch inside out this weekend fuck <laughs> I mean, you would have thought I just watched my entire family get murdered. Yeah, I heard that that was just an emotional. That is some heavy punch. ass shit, dude. I can't watch those heavy things. shit. Like up, I can't watch up. Like uh... yeah, a Lego Movie too. You know, I have a little sister. There's a real world plot thread, kind of like the first one. I'm not giving anything away, but fuck, man. It's like any more. The older I get, cartoons are some of the most depressing saddening tear-inducing uh visuals i can watch gosh yeah and i i think a lot of it's because you know family you have a kid you think it th- think about it that way but it's like oh my i mean inside out my wife and i for probably the entire hour and 45 minutes we're basically bawling our eyes jesus out. yeah like she almost needed therapy at the end <laughs> i i started like just working on f- toy photography just to like suck me out yeah. of depression to soothe but yourself anyway. yep Back to the Resistance recap, and hey, like I said, cartoons can be very emotional. All right, so uh, the last one we have here, Nick, it also involves Pyre, but as Nick mentioned earlier, Kaz gets brought to Pyre. 
kind of little trick by his lieutenant to just show Pyre like, hey, man, this guy's kind of jacked up, which leads to our reference because Pyre gives him a test. Kaz fails it. And Pyre goes, yeah, buddy, you need to be reconditioned. And they actually have slang for it in the first story. They call it a brain scrape. So, man, poor Finn, the shit that he must have went through. Anyways, so, so we get the, the mention of First Order Trooper reconditioning, which was referenced in The Force Awakens. In particular, when Finn has his episode on Jakku, you know, Phasma's basically like, hey, report to me, condition this, checked out, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's just another reference, but this time to the new trilogy versus the original. Yeah, it gives a little bit more context into how these troopers are treated as well. I mean, we are... They're fucked up. They're treated probably just like clones not probably i mean they're clones but real people so it's even more fun i hope we get some insight into this you know into this process like do they just go like say you know they go to a planet like they did with kel and ayla's planet they just wipe it out do they just keep a bunch of prisoners and then brainwash them and then that's their troops or well i believe isn't that there's a novel I think, you know, they had like those three little novellas or whatever before Force Awakens to kind of explain about the new guys and girl. Okay, yeah, I think. And I believe the way the First Order handled it is they would, I don't know if they would kidnap kids or parents would send them off or they'd hit up orphanages, but the First Order essentially would conscript their troopers just like the Jedi did with their Padawans. Yeah, so as from a child. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, just take them and then essentially brainwash them. And that's why Finn's considered to be... A lot of people thought Finn was Force-sensitive because he was able, uh, really the only documented trooper, to break the condition. Yeah, but it seems like now, you know, with this line from Pyre, that the, the conditioning is something that can either wear off or be broken, which is why they have this reconditioning thing well shit man i mean their slang for it's called brain yeah scrape. that's pretty fucked up <laughs> like that's some heavy so, stuff. i mean it's like they they're essentially deleting their their emotions or that they just like drop a an operating system onto their brain for being a trooper being obedient you know very, very much like the clones i mean the clones were tweaked as they're being generated to be submissive take orders not question their leads yeah. Uh, and it sounds like the first door is doing something similar, but with real people. Yeah, lots of dystopian future stories have told a tale similar where you have these people that are, you know, deleting their emotions and then, you know, trying to get rid of all of the bad, you know, bad memories and stuff like that. So really interesting stuff from this, from these Easter eggs. All good call outs too by you, Matt. I mean, I think that mine's up there as well. Data Rod, but, you know, overall. You like those rods. <laughs> goldenrod here we go yeah but uh it's our boy speaking of goldenrod did you ever see the the tops car to c-3po where it looks like he literally has a goldenrod hanging out of his pants? i did yeah i was like oh it's man it's like one of the greatest gaffes of all time that they didn't stop that before it went out nobody like they probably mass produced those things and they saw it like at like right before distro and they're like we can't scrap them oh <laughs> fuck it's like we gotta send them. we just gave the droid a dick yeah we gotta send them out we got to send them out. That was it. If I remember it, people, if you're listening, I'll try to include a shot of the uh, infamous C-3PO cock in the uh, Resistance Recap cast post. So. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Let's move on to that recap and review. So uh, just to kind of reverse things a bit, we're talking about Star Wars Resistance S1E16, the new trooper. This is the most recent episode that aired on uh, Disney Channel, I believe. You can stream it through Disney now. Uh, overall, pretty good episode. Um We'll just dive right into it, Nick. So it starts off 
again showing the contentious relationship between Doza and Pyre, where you know Pyre rolls in with his gang, Doza's in his office, and Doza's like, "All right, pal, you guys got the pirate spy. It's time to get the hell off my station." And Pyre comes in, as any con man would. Well, actually, someone helped the spy get off, so we need to find that someone. And obviously, we know who that someone is. But it's just, again, it's just these little tactics by the First Order to uh, justify why they need to remain as a security detail on the Colossus. Yeah, it's his directive, you know, probably from Phasma and maybe even higher than that, that, you know, you're to stay on this station no matter what. Like, you don't have a... A particular mission other than to secure the station for the first well, we find out at the end of the episode right yeah. i mean we know why they're planning on staying and why they keep making up excuses exactly I mean, it's common so you know that scene again shows that basically you know doza has no say in this it doesn't matter what he says like it's time for you guys to leave they're not going anywhere and then you know this sets up the entire episode and how the station is now affected by this first order occupation exactly um so next up we get to see the two kids again the uh the kids kellen and isla who were saved or you know saved from uh first order bondage by kaz and team other members of team fireball earlier in the season after their planet was completely destroyed by the first order we see them again and they're fishing for flying fish which i think is a very you know pretty cute little reference or a pretty cute little little scene here. Well, I like how the brother throws one out so Isla could hook one. Yeah, exactly. Like, it just jumps right on the line. Yeah, but before you move on, a note that I brought up to Nick before we went live with these two, Kel and Isla. At this point, in particular, their actions in this episode, I, I really think these kids aren't just normal runaway orphan kids. I think one of them or both of them or they somehow share it, but I, I think they can tap into the force. Um, first off, as Nick was setting up the scene, they're out there fishing. A trooper comes by and is like, hey, give me your ID. We know they don't have ID, so naturally they panic. One thing leads to another, and somehow these two kids knock out a first order trooper. I mean, the, the brother kind of whacks them with a fish, whatever. Uh, that's impressive in and of itself. And even Tam and Kaz are like, holy hell, you guys did this by yourselves? That's crazy. But we're going to get to another scene where I really think it hammers on that these two could potentially be Force-sensitive or it, one of them is or something because they're not normal kids. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so we see the scene. They knock out the First Order trooper. And then uh, before they get into any sort of hijinks with this trooper we get back into yeager station and this is where we find out about tam's i don't want to call it love like but, but she is completely okay with the first order she would wear an fo like make the first order great again hat if they had she probably would at this point there's no doubt about it and nick nick's right because everyone you know kaz is like man this is fucked up they're, they're not here for security. They're, they're screwing with us. We got to get them out of here. And then Yeager gives his empire story that we told earlier. But Tam's like, no, I appreciate the First Order. I love feeling safe, and I'm glad they're here. Yeah, and we also get a little bit of background on Tam, too, because she mentions, you know, while Yeager is giving his, his story about the empire, Tam jumps in and says, hold on, like, my grandpa used to work for the empire. Like, he did it to put food on the table he never hurt people he was there 
just doing a job. And, you know, I feel more safe with these troopers here. And that's all I care about is my safety right now. I don't know what their greater plot is, but right now they're keeping us safe. So from her perspective and from her history, all she's looking at is, you know, are these troopers actively hurting me? <clears throat> if not, then they're okay with me. Which, I mean, is one point of view to take here. But obviously, she's just not aware of all of these other things that, you know, that um, Kaz is aware of, that Yeager is aware of from his time when he was with the Rebellion and seeing what happened with the Empire. So she's still a, a, a naive kind of younger younger girl here. And she hasn't really seen how a force like this can wreak havoc across the galaxy like what will eventually happen in TFA and TLJ. I think it's a good point of view to have. I mean, naturally, with Kaz and Yeager being, you know, team screw the First Order, it was nice to have kind of that counterbalance. You can never count on Niku for any type of legit opinion because, you know, he's by the book down the middle as literal as possible. Like we said, he's essentially green drax right yeah. he's the uh what are they called again clatu is he a clatu or a nikto nikto i don't uh he was a clatu he's clatu yeah he he's basically the clatu drax yeah so all right so anyways as they're eating the two kids come naturally because they know that kaz is the guy to go to if you need help if you're in trouble that's pretty much who he's become he's definitely their savior as well as a niku and they decide, hey, we'll we'll go help you guys out. And, and Tam comes along, too. Because, you know, Tam, th there's definitely some jealousy on Tam's side for Kaz. Yeah. And, and Kaz's relationship with Yeager. And I think for Kaz's relationship with a lot of people on the station. Yeah, she actually you can tell that, calls him out. You can tell that Ta Kaz bothers Tam. Yeah, I mean, she calls out Yeager when they're having the conversation about the, the First Order occupation. She's just like, oh, well, you're just taking Kaz's side again. Like, not, no surprise there. Like, she actively says, like, you're just doing this because you, you like him more than me, or you're on his side. And she doesn't, she's not able to see past that kind of aspect of what's going on. But yeah, she, there's... Well, again, I mean, they're also hiding a lot of stuff from everybody. True, true. So this is the type of shit you get into when you're a spy, so... Yeah. I don't necessarily blame Tam either. I just, I just, I like her voice speaking up and kind of being that anti-Kaz, asking questions, just to give a different perspective. Yeah. So they all leave. They go, they're like, okay, I mean, how much trouble could these kids really be in? What could they honestly have done? And then they open a closet and they're like, holy shit, they knocked out a trooper. Yeah. So that's where they, they decide, this is where the plan comes from, after they wheel the trooper down to the uh, turtle people land, right? I mean, it's like if you want to do anything shady on the Colossus, you just go down and hang out with the turtle people <laughs> who are like the, the engineers or the maintenance dudes. Yeah, yeah. And that's where they hatched a plan, basically after they hear the trooper's radio go off, that, all right, well, Niku's dumbass replied to it, so now we have to go check in. Uh, how are we going to do that? And that's where Kaz, you can see the light bulb goes off. He's like, I'll do it, and I'll make sure they didn't log the kids. And in the back of his head, he's thinking, and I'll also try to do some snooping. Uh, so, I mean, we've already kind of talked about that, but I like that, again, Kaz saw an opportunity and jumped on it to further his mission for the Resistance, while also 
helping others. Yeah, that, that's how this guy is. He's he's always going for the two birds, one stone. Approach. Yeah, yeah, twofold. And obviously, you know, <laughs> Niku in true Niku style, like you said, as soon as that call comes over the radio, he's like, I think it was like CB five fifteen. Are you there? And he's like. <laughs> No, we're not CB five fifteen. It's like such what? an ass, but I love him. I know yeah. he just like he, he puts Kaz in these situations to where he has to make these types of decisions. Because I mean, if Kaz doesn't do anything there, it's pretty obvious that some shit has happened to CB five fifteen, and they need to find out where he is. Um, well, it is very. It's kind of like the a New Hope prison scene where where Han's trying to cover over the radio, like, "Nah, we're good." Um, yeah. It's all good. And the guy's like, oh, you're not good. And then Han's like, yeah, you're right. Fuck this. Chewie. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Reactor. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Han's like, um, you know, um, and reactor leak. We got it all under control. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just the guys like, yeah, you're full of shit. Like, okay, whatever. So, yeah. Very, very similar thing that, that Niku did, except Kaz jumped in, got on the radio and like, oh yeah, I'll come by and, uh, I think my headset's fucked up and you guys can check it out. Yeah. So, Right after this, you know, we get Kaz in the suit, and then he goes, you know, basically looking for the other First Order officers or First Order troopers to, like, link up with him and, and get some information on, you know, did he send, did CB-515 send this call saying, oh, my God, the kids that escaped, they're here. Did he not? And then also, you know, he kind of wants to further his mission, like Matt said. He's trying to get more information on this First Order occupation. Well, he was very spy-crafty with how he got this the info and where to go, right? I mean, I, it's like he kind of started some casual conversations with our trooper, like, oh, yeah, man, I still got to log my daily rounds. Uh, do you know where to, we do that or, like, where the shuttle's at? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's over here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, you know, Kaz is becoming quite resourceful. He may be a dope. He may channel Jar Jar sometimes. But he's not half bad at what he does. Yeah, he's figuring he's it good out. good at spying, and he's, what, uh, batting a thousand on saving people? So Yeah, nobody's died on his watch yet. I mean, he's definitely figuring it out as he goes. You know, he's he kind of got thrown into this, but, you know, every little piece of information he picks up or every experience that he has, he, he puts that in his mind, he, he and he adjusts to it. He incorporates that into his next opportunity to to further his mission so it was it was pretty good stuff here and then you know during this this walkabout he has as a first order trooper in between that is when we get to the part where like matt mentioned we may see a little bit of force affinity from isla and yeah Cal. okay i'm glad i i must I, I glanced over that but as nick said so the kids niku tam and the knocked out trooper are all still hanging out in Turtle Land, right? And the trooper wakes up and he's like, "Oh, what the hell's going on?" He's a little groggy. I mean, he's been knocked out twice. Um, basically, he's an NFL football player. He did not enter concussion protocol, and he was about ready to go out on the field until Cal and Isla kind of approach him. And again, I don't know. I I think it was Isla holding his hands. Yeah. But as they're holding his hands, she's literally like, "Oh, relax. It's okay." And the dude literally starts to fall asleep. Until Niku comes behind him and shocks his ass to sleep. Yeah, yeah. So, I, like I, I hinted at earlier, I, I feel like these kids, or at least one of them, may have some affinity to the Force. Yeah, and this is something that we talked about when the show first kicked up, maybe even before the first episode. You know, is there going to be any sort of Force-sensitive, Force 
affinity type of people within this show. And at the beginning, it didn't seem like there was going to be. Not even when these kids were first introduced. Like, we just thought that they were stowaways. They were, these were First Order prisoners who were, for some reason, taken from this planet that was sacked completely. And, you know, now is when we first kind of get to see the possibility that they could be Force-sensitive. You know what I just remembered, Nick? Remember they had that little trinket with them that Doza saw? Yeah, yeah. And Doza, you could tell he... Recognized it. Kind of knew what it was. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I mean, th- these aren't just random Colossus inhabitants. Yeah, these kids have some sort of meaning. It, otherwise, the First Order wouldn't have saved them. I mean, like, according to them. I don't Did they save them or did they escape from the First Order? I, I can't remember at this point. I think they escaped. I think, so what happened was they were First Order prisoners, but when they got to the station, they escaped. So, like, right. so, so when they landed, and then that's... Yeah, I mean, their town essentially got... Jack who? Yeah, exactly. Like Lord, Lord, little Lord Santago, wherever he's hanging out, where they wipe out everybody. That's what happened to these two. But as Nick said, they either were taken as pals and then got away, or they somehow got away. Who knows? Either way, they've they've popped up in some fairly key moments. And, and like I said, the way that they almost seemingly put this trooper to sleep with touch and voice. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a little fish. It was. It was definitely interesting to see. So I, I'm really curious to see if if they play on that anymore or if they just kind of let it sit for a little while. But it was it was a good moment with those kids nonetheless. So the rest of the episode kind of is going to be more focused on Kaz here. So we jump back to Kaz. He finds his way to the shuttle to log his rounds, quote unquote. And this is where we have the interaction that we mentioned and the Easter eggs with BB-90 yeah. and the data rods. It's a good so. fight with a ball droid. I mean, he does exactly what I would do if I had to fight a ball droid, and kicks he his, kicks his fucking yeah, head off. Yeah, kicks his head off, and that's pretty much... And then he plays fetch with it. He's like, hey, you want your head? Yeah. Throws it back in the ship. I do, like, at the end, he's like, you dumb droid, and, like, the head's just sitting there on the ground. And, like, <laughs> like yeah. it was. It was a good little moment. So, you know, we get that scene. You know what else I want to bring up? I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the past few episodes... Have you noticed how BB-8 is always helping, uh, what's, what's Yeager's droid's name? Bucket. Bucket. But is it Bucket? Bucket. No, it's not Bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how he's always, he's always, like, it's all background stuff. Like, I guess it's probably because I'm always looking for Easter eggs and shit. But even the beginning of this episode, if you watch, it's like just random stuff going on in the background away from the main focus of, of what you should be looking at. But I, I swear to God, I don't know if it's been every episode or just a return from break. But if you watch, BB-8 will do something to help out Bucket. And it's the cutest damn thing. This week, I think Bucket's helmet falls off. And, and BB-8 like goes and retrieves it for him and puts it back on. It, it's funny. I, sorry. It's just a random <laughs> thought. I didn't see it. But, I mean, it is kind of cool how they keep Keep an eye out. I'm telling you, man. Anytime they're all in Yeager's shop and those two are around, they're probably going to be doing something together. Either fucking with each other or BB-8's helping them out because nice. he's like an old man, decrepit, doesn't even have like a shell. Yeah, It's funny. Like, That's, just the random shit I pick up on as I'm scanning for eggs and references. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So after this is when we finally get to the Commander Pyre and then the rest of the First Order troopers you know they're giving what is essentially their their debrief, but like Matt says, right? So Kaz, Kaz gets pulled along because he's already starting to come off as a little wonky to his platoon leader. Yeah, 
So the guy's like, yeah, let's go. We got to go meet with Pyre under the guy. Like, he's basically, because I think he even says to Pyre afterwards, he's like, see, I told you. Yeah, he did. Whatever, 515 was a little fucked up. Yeah. But anyways, as Nick was saying before I cut him off like a jerk off, they get to Pyre's office, or uh, Doze's office. How about this? Pyre kicks him out of his own fucking office. Yeah, he's like, get out of here. I got work to do or something. Like, he says something to that effect. Unbelievable. It's just like, Doza's got to know he's so fucked because he does not have a force to kick these assholes off now. No. As we've talked. So, I mean, he's screwed. But anyways, this is where, for the first time, Pyre just, no filter, basically said, we're going to be bringing a full garrison here. Uh, the residents can stay, but if they fuck off, we're basically gonna kill them or arrest. Yeah, them. that was that was some intense stuff. Like to hear, he that. pretty much laid down that that Phasman Company and and we're taking this bitch up. Yeah, exactly. And you know, this is said. And Kaz is in the room again, so he's right place, right time. Exactly. His, his spy skills are working out. Yeah. So I mean, Kaz is there in full effect and hears everything, and then is also called on by pyre to give a debrief of what happened on the station that day and then this is where things start to fall apart for him because in, in, in typical cas fashion he starts to to bumble a little bit he's like oh you know we quelled the fruit riot and we roughed up some rabble rousers like you said and all this other stuff. and then like he starts to like slowly back up towards the back of the room and you know this is when he gets called out by the other trooper. Like, I told you there's something wrong with this guy. Like, Pyre starts to question him. The other trooper starts to question him. And then Pyre says that, you know, what we put in the Easter egg, like, you, you know, I think this one may need some reconditioning. And that's when all hell breaks loose. So Kaz hits the button on the door to get out, starts bolting down the hallway. All the other First Order troopers are chasing him. Like, a gunfight breaks out. And it leads us towards the end of the episode where um, where it seems like they got him cornered. So you see this person who you think is Kaz in the full First Order regalia laying up against the back of a wall and the First Order, the other troopers have him surrounded. They move in on him. They take off the helmet and lo and behold, Niku underneath the the little walkway where they were had switched out Kaz for the actual trooper before the first order troopers could get there and secure. Oh yeah, Kaz. the old quick change maneuver. Yeah. So he he gets jumped on by his his platoon. They're all like, "Yo, what the fuck?" And he's he's all groggy still. Like, where's my green friend? Yeah, I mean, like they all totally buy it too. They're like, "Man, this guy really is fucked up." Like, listen to all this shit that he's saying. Yeah. Like, so so in the nick of time, Kaz uh, uh, manages to avoid getting caught again. The end. So, oh, not the end. Yeah, this is where we see. We had a, a very key scene. Is I actually saw some people that review it were quite pissed that this was the preview clip that they sent out last week, and it ended up essentially being the money shot of the episode. Yeah, the end of the episode. Uh, because as, as Nick taught, talked about his rod and rods, and you remember he <laughs> loves rods. Uh, Yeager and Kaz throw the rod in the BB-8, and lo and behold, what does it have on it? A star map. And the star map has a bunch of red dots, and they deduce that are these first order fleets, and that's where Kaz is like, "Fuck, the the New Republic isn't even close to that size," and that's where Yeager's like, "Well, if you look where we are, and you look where all those dots, if they are going to war, this is a damn fine place to have a refueling station." And da da da, 
they're starting to figure out what we've known, but I always like that stuff where the, the characters in the show you've been watching start to get the big picture. Things are starting to funnel down towards what I'm assuming is going to be a, a climactic end to the first season. Uh, we should be right up with the events of at least The Force Awakens by the season's end. If not The Last Jedi, you got to remember, TLJ literally was hours after TFA. Yeah, they, they did not have a lot of time hours. between those two. Hours. So, so I mean, this show technically could also feature events that are taking place during the rat race through space. Uh, and it could live on. Like, if it goes past season two, it could it could ultimately catch up with nine, whatever the fuck that thing's going to be called. Yeah, absolutely. And if we think about it, too, if we do maintain Colossus Station as the primary, you know, location for the show, knowing what happens in TFA and TLJ, if we get to that point, we're going to have to see a fully occupied Colossus Station because the First Order essentially has a, a vice grip on the galaxy by the end of TLJ. So if we make it that far, it's going to be interesting to see where our characters are both development-wise and location-wise. You know, do Kaz and the rest of Team Fireball and all, all the rest of the inhabitants of the Colossus, at least those who are not loyal to the First Order... Did they jump off and go somewhere else? Did they try to link up with the uh, the resistance, or you know what what happens? It's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, because in it in that mid season uh, sizzle reel, there's a shot of the Colossus fucking submerging itself. It looked like there was. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there there was some sort of splash into the ocean for sure. So I mean, it could also I mean, you could argue that maybe they're scuttling it just so the first order doesn't get the resource. Yeah, so I mean, initially when when Matt and I were discussing this show pretty early on, we were like, yeah, they definitely have the ability to stay on the Colossus, but now seeing how accelerated the timeline is, they definitely don't have the ability to stay on the Colossus for much longer if, if things play out the way that we think they are. Yeah, I, I mean... It could very well just be a, a first season thing, and then they they float off somewhere else, and and they're separated for the resistance as they're running. I don't know, but we know the timelines are coming to a merge point. Yeah, absolutely. We see that scene from TFA in the sizzle reel with you know with Hux sitting on Star Killer Base, giving his yeah, and then Hosnian system is gone. Um, so we, we know that that's coming in the show in this season. So we're really close to, to merging these two timelines into one. So, um, but like you said, Matt, this is another strong episode. We're full force on the first order timeline or not timeline storyline at this point. Well, they can't stop now, right? No. I mean, it, it's, you can't, there can be no, I know we kind of, we were thinking about maybe they'll do a one-off, one more one-off, but I, no way. I mean, after they went right, they followed the one episode up right in last week with Snar getting off, and now right in this week with more follow-up. It's on like popcorn. The First Order plot is the main plot now. Uh, at best, we may get some side stuff, like learning that Tam likes the First Order, that type of shit. Uh, but I think the main focus is, at this point, going to be now, how do they resist against the first order because even in this episode we've already started to see some riots mm -hmm. um so i don't know things are shaping up I, I don't know how many more episodes we actually have we're at 16 so probably uh, six. this is a traditional run we got maybe six or seven more right yep 22 is typically what you get for half hour full seasons so 
Yeah, so, I mean, there's more stories to tell, but based on that sizzle, we kind of know where we're headed, and I'm excited to get there. Uh, As always, we'll be, if you're listening to this live, it means it's Wednesday, so there's a good chance if you come back to StarWarsTime.net in the afternoon, you're going to get the the, uh, new clip share from the upcoming episode of Resistance, so make sure to set your browsers to Star Wars Time. Not stun. We don't use stun here. We use Star Wars Time. All right, buddy, I think we have knocked out the new Trooper. Another quality episode. According to our rating system, all Star Wars Resistance episodes will never get less than an 8. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're pretty solid on your grading system. Anything, anything yeah, that's below I don't know. I, I, I've, <laughs> I saw some other people like, yeah, they didn't give us any answers. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you didn't get any answers? I mean, yeah, as an audience member, we, we've kind of known some of it. But now, we're. I mean, the characters are getting answers. They're progressing stuff. Yeah. I don't know what you could not like about this. And I, I come on, I'm, I'm a geek. I like this stuff. I'm not an angry critic. I, I'm not even a real critic. I'm just a fan that likes to share my opinion. That's how I am when I do my movie reviews for Entertainment Buddha. I'm not here to like sit here and analyze dialogue and relate it to real life and what does it mean and is there meaning. If I watch something and I felt feel entertained, that's all that matters. 100%. All that matters. I agree wholeheartedly. All right, Star Wars friends, hopefully a few fans, you know what to do at this time, and that is to get yourself subscribed to all things StarWarsTime.net. That entails the YouTube, the IG, of course the podcast. I mean, that's number one. And you know you can do all this very easily. StarWarsTime.net, top right, subscribe to podcast, or it's in the right sidebar at the top. You really can't miss it. We do appreciate you. We've been getting a little bit of feedback and engagement from the IG community, so that's that's encouraging and positive. So that's the type of stuff I know I'm craving. I know Nick is looking for it. We are humans after all. We just want some feedback. Are we doing a good job? Are you entertained, as Russell Crowe likes to say? Let us know somehow. Smoke signals? Whatever. It works. We're listening. All right, people. Until the next recap, may the Force be with you, always.